Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we are reading Nehemiah 2 and 3. But before we jump in, I've got a quick announcement. We are on the hunt to find some more volunteers for Join the Journey. So if you are local to Dallas and have made Watermark your home, we're looking for volunteers across four different teams. Our editors who edit the daily devotionals you can find for free on jointhejourney.com. Our hospitality team who plan and host events. Our resource team, if you're somebody who likes writing or studying, that's for you. And our social media team. We're looking for videographers, photographers, graphic designers, caption writers, the whole shebang. So if you're even the slightest bit interested, we'd love to chat and we'll put all the information in the episode description. These volunteer teams for Join the Journey, we're super excited about them because they're new. And speaking of new, we recently started a new book. Nehemiah, and here today to talk with me about Nehemiah 2 and 3 is Mrs. Katatik. Hi, Emma. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. It's so good to be here. We met a long time ago. Yes. And this is like our reunion. Yes, it is. But for, yeah. for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so my name is Catherine Atik. Most people call me Cat. I'm married to Timothy Atik, who I call T.A. Um, he is a teaching pastor and elder here at Watermark. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three boys. They're 14, 12, and 6. And I serve on Wednesday mornings at the Women's Bible Study as a small group leader. And I have just loved getting to get in the Word with women this year. Y'all are walking through Hebrews? We are, yes. I love it. So fun. Well, today we're walking through Nehemiah 2 and 3. And I know you've come well-studied and well-prepared to share some observations, some takeaways with us. So why don't you walk us through what you notice as you studied? What's the first thing? Yes, I would love to. So right out of the gate, we see in the first verse of chapter 2 what month this is. And so what this tells us is that Nehemiah has been praying and fasting to the Lord for around four months. Nehemiah here, he's aligning his heart with God's heart. Um, You know, it's so easy for us, especially in Dallas, to be activators. We want to jump in to fix it mode, operate in our own strength. But before there's action, there needs to be alignment. And that's going to require, even when we think we know best, to sit with the Lord and pray and to listen. Um, It's a demonstration that the Lord knows best, and He is, in fact, the only God. So good. Before there's action, there needs to be alignment. Yes, yes. That was excellent. What's the next one? Okay. So next, Nehemiah gives wine to the king, and the king notices that Nehemiah is sad. Now, Nehemiah initially is afraid here because this was very bad etiquette during this time. Mm. But then he proceeds with boldness. And very importantly, he proceeds with good sense and respect. Before Nehemiah answers the king question, he says in verse 4, we see that he says, So I pray to the God of heaven. This shows us that Nehemiah is in constant communication with God and fully dependent on him. The king grants Nehemiah his request, and we see in the rest of chapter 2 that he makes it a habit of being prudent, wise, prepared, and I love how one commentator puts it, having a remarkable confidence in God. Hmm. When he talks to his friends to get them on board, and even to those against him in the cause, he speaks in boldness, po- pointing to God's authority. 
What I heard you say, Kat, Nehemiah is remarkably dependent on God. And to recap those first three observations, before there's action, there needs to be alignment. Nehemiah is in constant communication with God, and he's remarkably dependent on him. Exactly. What else? What else did you notice as you studied? Well, we move on then to chapter 3 that discusses the rebuilding of the wall. And what I'd love to point out here is that there were people that were all in helping, and then there were some mm. that were not. If we look at verse 3-5, it points out nobles who would not stoop to serve their Lord. Mm. These nobles were allowing pride to stand in the way of joining God's work. And so this begs the question on our own lives, is there any pride in our hearts that could be keeping us from joining what God is doing around us. And we can even feel free to replace that word pride. Are we missing out on joining God's work because of distraction, because of fear, Mm. arrogance? This is something I think is important to examine in our lives. For me, it can be the failure to rest. Yes. Thinking I can just go, go, go. Yes, and not realizing we're human and we need God and we're limited. I can't do it on my own strength. Yes. And then in a stark contrast, just a few verses later, we see in 3.9 that a ruler of half the district is helping repair the wall. Mm. So this man did not let his status keep him from getting involved. And then verse 12 shows us that a man has his daughters help repair the wall as well. This reveals that everyone has a part to play in God's plan, male and female. And the rest of the chapter will show us more details of who was involved and what part they played. Chapter 3 tells us that people with differing skill sets, ages, financial means, they all joined together to help repair the wall and the gates. Hmm. Kat, what would you say, I mean, you've pulled out some excellent observations, some excellent applications from the text, but what would you say is the most important thing? We can't miss fill in the blank. That's a wonderful question. Because I think anytime we look at Scripture from from start to the end, we need to see where is Jesus in this? Mm -hmm. Where is the gospel? And God uses Nehemiah to restore a broken wall, but God sends Jesus, the greater Nehemiah, who restores our broken souls. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, one day our broken world, like we see in Revelation 21, Jesus is the greater Nehemiah. God sends Jesus, the greater Nehemiah, to restore our broken souls. Kat, I love it. You have shared some excellent observations and applications. I'm going to recap us really quick. In chapter 2, we saw that before there's action, there needs to be alignment. Nehemiah's in constant communication with God and is remarkably dependent on him. And then in chapter 3, we can ask ourselves, is there any pride or really anything that keeps us from joining in on God's work? And we were reminded that everyone has a part to play in God's plan, but ultimately God sends Jesus, or did send Jesus, the greater Nehemiah, to restore our broken souls. And as we head into Christmas, it'll be here before we know it, it's a great reminder as we get ready to celebrate. So Kat, thank you for being here. Thank you. You're so welcome. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.